0: glory, tragedies, and bless you with its glorious triumphs. Revelation instructs you and informs you and blesses you. It plummets you to depths of despair and propels you to heights of grandeur. Revelation will make you feel sorry on the one hand and glad on the other. It will make you want to cry and at the same time want to shout. Revelation reveals the concealment of divine counsels, the predestination of divine purpose, and the fulfillment of divine prophecy. Actually, this book energizes hope and stimulates optimism, strengthens faith, it inspires courage, it causes peace, blesses assurance, eases the mind, excites the soul, and rejoices the heart. The reason being revelation causes a heavenly expectation. It calls an anticipation from the dark shadows of complacency. It adorns faith with heavenly expectation. It should be to the servants of God what Christmas morning is to the children of men, the unwrapping of hidden things, the ecstatic excitement awaiting the unveiling. Revelation is the unwrapping of the mystery, mysterious things hidden by God until the time of their unveiling. Revelation reveals Christ's coming, His conquering and His completion. It is the crowning glory of the redeemed ...and the collapse of the satanic empire. It is the Lamb's victory and the serpent's defeat. It is heaven's reign and earth's ruin. It also reveals the persecution of the saints... ...but also their preservation and promotion. It displays the Savior. It reveals the destination of the saints... ...as well as the destruction of the sinners. Revelation is prophecy on the stage of time... ...revealing the culmination of all things... It is sovereignty on grand parade, God operating in omnipotence. It reveals deity designed. It has deity desire unhindered. It is the climax of the ages and the fulfillment of prophecy. Actually, it is our Savior in all of His glory. When I read the book of Revelation, it blesses me and thrills me because it is about the Heavenly Father's Son, the Virgin's Child, the Saint's Hope, the flock shepherd, and the bride's bridegroom. It is our army's commander in chief. Notice beginning in verse 4 where John said to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace unto you and peace. This is grace and peace from the Trinity. He says from the seven spirits which are before the throne, which means the sevenfold Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace to the churches from the Trinity. Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor that grand, glorious, and gracious consideration from which all mercy flows. It was grace that saved us, according to Ephesians 2.5 and 2.10. It is grace that establishes the heart, according to Hebrews 13.9. It is grace that sustains us, 2 Corinthians 12.9, My grace is sufficient for Thee. It is grace that teaches us, according to Titus 2.11 through 14. It is, it is grace that enables us to serve God, Hebrews twelve twenty eight. It is grace that gives us a song, Colossians three sixteen, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It is grace that supplies our every need, according to Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen. Then he says, peace, grace, and peace to the churches. As doctor Thayer says it is that tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. Peace keeps the heart in mind, according to Philippians chapter four, verse seven. This is the reason why the church needs peace. Peace rules the heart according to Colossians three fifteen. As we look at the book of Revelation for a few moments this morning, We see that Revelation it reveals the judgment, the wrath, and the war, but also grace and peace. It is about earthquakes and famines and pestilence, but of grace and peace. It reveals persecution, peril, terror, and despair, but grace and peace. It reveals stars falling to the earth, thunder rolling, consuming fire, but grace and peace. Demons and armies and bloodshed, but grace and peace. Revelation begins with grace and peace from the Godhead and terminates in grace and peace of the new Jerusalem. The churches need grace for assurance and peace in the times of trouble. Grace for living and peace in trial. The churches need grace for endurance and peace for enjoyment. We need grace for faithfulness and peace for fearlessness. We need grace for help and peace for substantiating hope. We need grace to make it and peace to know it. We need grace amazing with a deep abiding tranquility rising from within. Like the song says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And that amazing grace and peace is given into the churches from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, and the sevenfold Holy Spirit. So he says, from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, the ever-present one, our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But here he says, from him who is today, who he was yesterday, and who he will be tomorrow. He is alive, was alive, and forevermore will be alive. So that he who is loved, was love, and forevermore will be loved. He who is forever inhabits eternity, living before, during, and after time. So here John says to the churches, "...grace and peace from the one who is ageless, being the same age today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. He is of no age because he had no beginning from which to count. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever." His glory never fades. His power never diminishes. His grace never ends. His mercy never ceases because He never ceases to exist. So it's not only from Him which was and is and is to come, but from the seven spirits which were before the throne. This is reference to the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. Much could be said about this, but let it suffice to say that Jesus Christ was the faithful witness unto him that sent him while he was in this world. He is also the faithful witnesses to the church. Here he says, he is also the first begotten of the dead. Christ's resurrection was the first fruit. Christ's return will be the harvest. Then he's also the prince of the kings of the earth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13 through 16, It reveals that Jesus is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That means the supreme ruler. In his first coming, Jesus Christ did not come as king. He came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But in his next coming, he's coming as the prince of the kings of the earth. In his first coming, he wore a crown of thorns. But in his second, they will bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. It says, "Under Him that loved us." This is a tremendous blessing. This is what I want to share with you. This is what He did for us, and we should laud Him. We should give Him the glory. Under Him that loved us, cherished us, we are the beloved's beloved. He loved us. Not only did He love us, cherish us. But the scripture says he washed us from our sins in his own blood. He cleansed us, which speaks of emancipation. He set us free. It was His redeeming blood, according to Revelation five nine, a precious blood. That we were set free from sin, we were redeemed with His precious blood. Not only is it precious blood, but Revelation twelve eleven says they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. It's a powerful blood, giving victory over Satan. But third, it's a purifying blood. Revelation seven fourteen. These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made us white in the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then third, not only has he cleansed us and cherished us, but he has crowned us. 4, 10 says, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. This speaks of our enthronement. Our position we have as a king and a priest under God. He brought us from dishonor to honor, from disrespect to respect. He brought us from poverty to riches, from prison to the palace, from a pauper to a king. And thank God this is no Cinderella story. He says, "Unto Him be glory and dominion forever and ever so we can truly sing the song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above all, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. What a song we can sing today. What a blessing it is to read that grace and peace is given to the children of God. That no matter how hard the times, grace and peace comes from our Lord Jesus Christ from the Heavenly Father and from the Holy Ghost. And what a position we have with Him who cherished us, loved us, cleansed us, then He crowned us, gave gave us a position with Him that now we're kings and priests. I can go directly to God so I can truly say what John is saying, unto Him, unto Him be glory and dominion forever and ever." Amen. No wonder those angels praised him. Over in chapter 4, no wonder they bow upon their faces and the saints of God sing before the throne. I'd like to do the very same thing today. As you've heard this simple little message, it is a glorious truth. It reveals in the closing days God's love for the saints, how precious they are to him and how he gives grace and peace in the time of need. I pray that in some way this has been a blessing to you. It has been to me, just to be able to share it with you. May God bless you for listening to us today.